Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. The mighty sound of the South, tailgating on Tiger Lane. Tom Three at the Liberty Bowl. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast. What's going on, Tiger football fans? We are back for a AAC Championship edition of the Tiger Football Podcast. Your Memphis Tigers have done what many in this podcast room thought was not going to happen. They have made it to the AAC Championship game. Amazing. They, they And by many, I mean I think all of us I, did not yeah, think they no, were going to do this. Yeah. A month ago? It's pretty remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they've reeled off four straight wins. They got some help from the rest of the league. Um, and here they are. Round four with UCF. Fourth game in 14 months between these two teams. Wow. Something's got to give. UCF. Well, I, I don't want to. I, I I say this to be. I don't mean this to be too mean to Mackenzie Melton, but his knee gave. That's what. Yeah. But no, seriously, I wish him. The Whoa. Be- <laughs> seriously. Yeah, that was a little harsh. Um, but. It's okay. It's, it's. You know, it's. I. I I say it because I know he's like relatively okay now. Like he has to have surgery, yeah. and let's hope his like honestly, like I would actually prefer to see Memphis play against UCF with him, like the full strength UCF. And I really hope, you know, a year from now, however long it takes him to recover, that his career gets back on track. Oh yeah, and you know, because that was a really devastating injury, but it obviously plays to Memphis's favor um, with you know a backup quarterback going into this championship game. Theoretically. 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 I mean, that, that Clayton Tune looked not half bad for a quarter and a half or so. Uh, I mean, it helped that Memphis he looked pretty awful. It, it helped that Memphis was dropping <laughs> Memphis was dropping his intercept, interception attempts, too. That's so. true. That's true. Very <laughs> true. No, I think, I mean, honestly, like, if we're being realistic about this, I mean, Memphis has lucked out a little bit in that his teams faltered down the stretch. Their biggest game of the year against Houston, they're going against a backup quarterback. Now their new biggest game of the year, they're going up against a backup quarterback. But who cares? I mean, like, if they win an AAC title, it'd be their first outright AAC title um, in football. And, you know, it'd be a real, I mean, it'd be a real capper to a two-year stretch under Norvell that's been really special. I mean, you know, know, it was was funny talking to Norvell today. And he said, he had a quote where he said, a moment where he said, you know, I wouldn't change the path we've taken now that they've taken it because um, of how the team has grown because of it. And I'm guessing ultimately he'd much rather beat Missouri and beat UCF yeah. and whatever. But it was it, he's right in the sense that, you know, this path that they took, a path that we didn't think was possible, that a lot of people met. Like, people left this team for dead. People thought it was just going to be like a regular bowl seat bowl year and it probably you know and they're not going to go to a new year six bowl so like this is really like the marquee game left yeah i would say because you know like as great as you know i'm sure the birmingham bowl and the independence bowl or the military bowl or whatever bowl they end up in like 
that's fine, but this is the marquee game. And it's it's awesome that they get to play it. It's awesome for the city, for the this program. You continue the momentum. And it's what's amazing to me, you know, I looked up during this five-year renaissance of Memphis football. What's the one AAC team they have not beaten during that time? It would have to be UCF. 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 They've lost 12 straight to UCF. They have not. I don't think they've beaten UCF since while 19- UCF has been a Division One program. Is that correct? 1990. Yeah, 19, was, I think 13 straight losses or 12 straight losses. It's 12. It's the only time they've beaten it was in 1990. 90, and I, I, like I said, I don't think UCF was a Division One program at that point. Yeah. Um, but Evan, I'm curious from your perspective, what do you, why do you think Memphis reached this point one? And two, give us a little background on this new UCF quarterback. All right. So we can be honest about this. As you've said, Memphis kind of, I don't want to, they didn't backdoor into this, first of all, but they got benefits from facing teams with freshman quarterbacks, uh, SMU team that kind of fell apart down a stretch. They lost last week, so they're not bowl eligible. They faced a Houston team that pushed them, but they didn't have Derek King. But what Memphis has done, I think the thing that they kind of focused on, and they told us this all the time, is, they didn't do anything crazy. They didn't, they didn't do anything radical. They just said, all right, we're going to go to practice, take care of business. But I think on the field, what you can see is, as we talked about last week, they've identified that they can run the ball really well. The defense isn't making the mistakes that they've made. They've cleaned things up. They've gotten pressure on the quarterback. Um, and that's pretty much what I think has gotten them to this point. They found a way to pretty much figure out to what their strengths are, improve the pass rush, and take advantage of some great opportunities in front of them. Now, when it comes to UCF, they got another chance to do that with their new quarterback who is named Daryl Mack Jr. And I'm going to give you guys some information on him real quick. So he was a – he's from Virginia. He was, Where in Virginia? He is from <clears> – let's <throat> pull this up. He is from – ooh, I didn't write it in my story. Why not, Evan? Um, I'll find that out. But he is 6'3", 230, which means he is much bigger than Mackenzie Milton. Um, he is a deadly runner, as seen from his – First game against UConn where he ran for 70 yards um, for a touchdown. He's from Old Dominion country, by the way. He's from Norfolk, he's Norfolk. Virginia. Norfolk. He's, a, he's from Tidewater, 757. <laughs> That's what they call it down there. I'm serious. It's called the 757. Yeah. So, so anyway, so Mac is a good runner. He hasn't thrown the ball as well according to his stats, but Norvell talked about him having a big arm, but he's deadly in the run game. And considering that he Norvell called this team basically a, a track team at the running back position, one more running back with their offensive line at UCF is another weapon to keep an eye on. So this UCF team is probably going to be running a lot more than what we saw against um, in the first game. But I do think I'll be curious to see how this guy, Mac plays. He, he's played on the road. He played at he started against ECU for UCF, and he played on the road at USF. But how will he fare at home with so much at stake, with the pressure on to keep this streak alive? Um, that's what I'm going to be looking forward to. Yeah, well, and looking at his, it's, it looks like he ran for, in a high, as a high school senior, ran for over 1,000 yards as a quarterback. So I think the running threat part of this will be interesting to see. Like, Mackenzie Milton could run and could run pretty well, but it sounds like this guy might be a more dynamic runner. Um, at the same time, it sounds like he's not nearly as good a passer as Mackenzie Milton was. Um, and I'll, I'll be curious to see how Memphis... Not adjust because they played. I mean, they obviously they've given UCF their toughest games during this undefeated streak of theirs. The AAC championship game last year, and then the regular seating season meeting this year, where they really dominated for two and a half quarters before some key plays, that fourth and one, yep. um, and then the rain came and 
Milton made some big plays down the stretch for them. Um, but what I found fascinating about that Houston game was that fourth quarter when Mike just ran it down their throats. Uh, Brady White did not attempt to pass. And it's not like it's something they hadn't tried earlier in the year. It seemed like they had, you know, there were times in early in the year where they were trying to run the ball and then teams would stack the box and they weren't able to do it. And I was just so impressed. And it was partly because Ed Oliver left the game. But Did the, we ever figure out what the heck happened there? It sounded like he tweaked his injury. I mean, okay. he was crying on the side. I know, I saw that. Yeah. Um, and, and kicking myself that we weren't down there to... Someone someone mentioned to me, I mean, like their run defense, when he's in the game this year, they were giving up like 2.7 yards per carry. And when he's not in the game this year, he they were giving up like 7 point something yards per carry. Like it was... So losing him is not like just some little thing. Yeah, he's a player. That that, that, yeah. that happened, yeah. and that that benefited Memphis. But just the fact that they they were you know everyone in the stadium knew they were going to run the ball, and they still just ran it right down their throats. That's something you hope they can take into this UCF game because I think what we know about Brady White at this point is that he's 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 good. But he's not going to go win you a game. It's just not, he's not there. Either he's not there yet, or he's just, that's just not who he's going to be as a quarterback. And so, one, you do not want to play from behind in this game um, because it's going to be a great crowd. I was told yesterday they've already sold 35,000 tickets at UCF. It's a 44,000 seat stadium, and that's way more than they sold for last year's championship game already. Well, they'll get north of 40 easy. Sounds oh, they'll like. probably sell it out. I mean, last year, the student section was packed. There were some pockets where the stadium was not completely full mm-hmm. last year. Um, and it's too bad. I don't know if you saw yesterday. They're adding a lazy river to the outside of the stadium, like for next year. That's got to be for the uh, AAF team, the Apollos. Well, whatever. Right. I mean, it's UCF, too. Like they're, You're, yeah, gonna, you're basically going to be able to buy a pass to tailgate in the lazy river for UCF games wow. this year. Like if they had that now, I would pay to cover the game from the league. <laughs> um Somebody that's a great that. idea. It's a great idea. Well the the regular season game's down there next year, so Evan. Hey, get my swimming lessons up, huh? No, you'll cover the game up in the box. I'll do the yeah. column oh, from the uh, no, 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 no. I mean seriously. I'll I'll sit in the moat, you go to the press box, be like, hey, look at some great views over here. <laughs> that press box is scary. I told you last week. It shakes when they when that that stadium gets going because that stadium it was made for like fifty five million dollars. Like yeah. really on the like it was like it's like an erector set stadium. <laughs> um, and no, they've had like issues with it. They have to do all these renovations now because like it's already crumbling a little bit, like six years in or whatever. But when you're up in that press box and like when there's a big play and the crowd really gets going, the whole you feel like you're in an earthquake. Um, and I hate turbulence, by the way. So that's lovely. Yeah, that should be fun. Um, so uh, one quick thing to your point: um, you mentioned Memphis does not want to play from behind in this game, and there's a pr- another pretty significant reason why. Has anybody taken a look at the weather forecast yet? Seventy-five and sunny, right? Well, no, actually, no. not act- not quite. Eighty percent chance of rain. Yeah, just saw that this morning. Interesting. On Saturday. Okay. Um, well, that's interesting. Sorry. Didn't mean to no, kill the buzz. I in mean, here. I, was, I had to do it last week. So, I mean, we got to be honest to the yeah. fans. Like, we don't want them showing up without it wearing coat thinking, oh, you're in Orlando, whatever. But For sure. 
Yeah, so that would be interesting because obviously the last game, the second half was just a sludgy, rainy mess that didn't benefit UCF either because they had some turnovers as well. But The other thing to take note of, since that Memphis game, this UCF defense has played uh, much better, it appears. Um, They have, you know, in four of their last five games, they have either, they have given up either fewer than 14 points or in their past three, especially, they've given up under 400 yards. And uh, in four of their past five, or yeah, four of their past five, they've given up 24 fewer points. Who are they playing? Um, ECU, Temple, Navy, Cincinnati, South Florida. Um, I guess the ECU game, yeah. yeah. So, like, not the dregs or anything. I mean, they it? played, you know, Cincinnati, like, basically, Cincinnati, they held to 13 points and 379 yards. And South Florida, they held to 10 points and 309 yards. Like, those are two pretty good teams in the AAC. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, they they gave up 4.07 yards per play last week against USF. The, mm-hmm. the defense is playing better playing for better, them, yeah. just like Memphis. It's, like, right. similar. Um, yeah. the, both defenses are playing better. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I'll just, I'm just fascinated. And then, you know, just what this – just getting over – not just getting over the hump, but just getting this title will really – I don't know if it will validate what Mike Norvell has done these three years because what he's done is impressive, win or lose. But having that to his resume, um, I mean, it will set him apart. I mean, already getting these back-to-back division titles and back-to-back top ten offenses – doing it totally different ways. Like yeah. the last year it was, you know, Riley and Anthony Miller. And this year it's this pounding rushing attack with Daryl Henderson and Daryl might, you know, basically last year, Anthony Miller and Anthony Miller rewrites the receiving records for the school. And this year, Daryl Henderson has a chance to rewrite the rushing records for a single season for the school. Like that's pretty amazing. And it's why I bring this up because, you know, it's silly season again in college football. These jobs are opening up, and Mike Norvell and all these, and I don't know how reported out these lists are, but in every he's in every list. When you know when Texas Tech opened up, when Colorado opened up, when UNC opened up, you know, before Mac Brown came in, you know, and got the job. Um, what's the other? Oh, Louisville. Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, so. He's another. He's a candidate. I don't know if any of these jobs match up with what Mike's looking for, um, especially given the situation he has here at Memphis. But it's certainly a possibility. Um, we asked him about it today after practice, and you know his quote was, uh, "It was it was a good quote." It, the 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 key line was more than any words I can say. I think I've proven with my actions the commitment I have to this community and what we're doing. Um, it was a good quote because. He's not saying he's committed. He's saying he's committed right now, but maybe two weeks from now he might not be. You know, like, but again, I don't know. Like, you know, that Texas Tech. You know, the one I would be circling if I was a Memphis fan is that Texas Tech job. That would maybe concern me. But again, that's not that great of a job in the Big no. Twelve. Yeah, no. no. Um, and let's be honest. Like, it's in Lubbock. It's not a great area to like get kids to recruit to. Yeah. No. It's. It was funny. I was looking it up. Lubbock is like about four and a half hours from Dallas. Yep. It's like only like an hour, hour and a half closer than Memphis is from Dallas. You know, the name that I might keep an eye on for that Texas Tech job is Larry Fedora. He's a Texas native. And, and he's if toxic he's, right now. He ain't getting that job. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, if if there's a name to, if they're, there's somebody that makes sense. They're going to hire someone from, I think they're going to hire someone from the leech tree. That's what they're going to do. They're going to go 
a blast from the past, so to speak. But they did that. I mean, that that was what Kingsbury was, and that didn't exactly work out. So maybe, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong, but but maybe not. I mean, look at you pushing these Southern Miss guys. <laughs> no, I'm just saying he's always wanted to be get, get back to Texas. Why would like Texas Tech is arguably a better job than UNC? Some would argue it's a better job than UNC. Yeah, I agree. So how could he go from going two and nine or whatever he's been at UNC last two years to getting the head job? At <laughs> that was Texas one year. Tech. That was one year. Two, two, years. Years. two years. Two years. And he years. alienated like every high school coach in the state of North Carolina. Well, he like. won at Southern Miss and he's won at North Carolina, a place that's notoriously yeah. not easy to win at is North Carolina. So he's proven he can do it. He's had a few rough years and, and deserved to be fired. But uh, I've seen stranger things happen. Uh, let me let me remind myself in the future not to hire Jason Munns as my athletic director. <laughs> That's fine. I'm okay with that. Um, but seriously, I mean, I don't like I said, I don't. I'm not going to say I don't think Mike Norvell's going to leave. I'm not sure, but it certainly seems like the jobs available this off season are less attractive than what was available last off season, and he stayed last off season, and he's got everything coming back except for probably Daryl Henderson and some of these offensive linemen. Pretty much everything, every other meaningful uh, player from this team is coming back. I mean, yes, Jackson Dillon's gone. Curtis Aikens. But... Curtis Aikens. But you've got guys like you've got Tim Hart to come in and fill in. You've got um, Bryce Huff who's emerged in, in those spots. Um, so if I were him. Is Adam Williams back? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, good. I know Drew's gonna as, be real as happy Drew, about as that. Drew Hill pumps his fist. That's his guy. Yeah. Even yeah. though I wrote about him in the summer, but that's Drew's guy apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's um, the important one. Yeah. No. What is what is Adam Williams' impact on this championship game going to be? Oh. <laughs> he played really well against Houston, by the way. Yeah, he did. He's had a great last couple games. Uh, we should mention LaAndre Thomas, who came back in the Houston game uh, after battling injury most of the year, will not play the rest of the year. Mike Norvell said um, he had a a little setback injury wise in that Houston game. And since he's only played four games this year, they can redshirt him if they sit him out these last two. It sounded like he, you know, if it weren't for the redshirt possibility, maybe he could gut through it. But because he's got this redshirt available, why not use it? Um, Cause he has played very, the, the, the few games he did play and he played very well at safety and he had a big hit against Houston. Uh, if I recall correctly. Yep. All right. So, Let's go around the room. Evan, how's this championship game going to play out? All right. If Memphis, if they can pressure Daryl Mack, and if the rain is not too bad, I'm going to take Memphis to win this game. And I think they're going to win by 10 points. I'm not going to do a final score. I'll say 10 points, Memphis wins. If they can pressure this quarterback and get so you're a saying the undefeated streak is over. The streak will end in the bounce house in front of you're, all those. UCF you're saying teams. you're going to cost the AAC like twenty million dollars because that's what you're. That's what you're saying right now. The AAC. If Memphis wins, that's and that's something like I'm not a big conspiracy theorist type of person, but you're crazy if you don't think about like the fact that if UCF loses this game, the entire conference is going to lose like twenty million dollars because they would go to the, what, that New Year's Six Bowl. You need to update your column that you wrote a couple of months. I'm ago. I'm not writing that column again. <laughs> I want to run it. Mem- no, Memphis. No, Memphis needs to win this game. It I applies. Would, it does. It still applies. It yeah. does still apply. But one, I'm not. I still agree with the column, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not. I don't want to write. You know, 
fans should enjoy this. Like winning a championship is winning a championship. Like, Mark, is this team? Is this Memphis team good? I think we need to ask that question after our last column you wrote. It's funny. I said I told people on Twitter. Yeah, my my lead was: Is this Memphis football team any good? I'm not sure. Can this Memphis football team win a championship? Absolutely. And like, honestly, like they are good because they're you know eight and four. But like, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I mean, like the one good team they beat, Houston, didn't have its best player, but they are good. They when you can run the ball like they can run the ball, um. You're a good team. Um, and that's what that fourth quarter proved to me. When you can just slam it down someone's throat like that, a team that's pretty good in Houston, like that says something to me. And, and you know, we've been really critical of this defense. I don't know if you guys realize this. I didn't realize it until yesterday. They're third in the AAC in total defense this year. I did not it, realize that. That's the, wild. It's the best statistical defense Mike Norvell has had, um, which is. Is it close? No, I mean their defenses were terrible the last two years. Wow. So statistically, they've you know they've been better. Yeah. Um, now I'd argue again in that little mid-season lull, you know I always I said this at the time like situationally they were terrible yeah. for a while there. And and I asked T.J. Carter today what's the biggest difference, and he's he he gave a one-word answer. He said effort. Mm. That was what he said is the biggest difference for this defense down the stretch. But all right, Jason, how how do you see the AAC championship game playing out? I'm going to preface this by pointing out, and if I was more technologically savvy, I would uh, play the the audio from last week's podcast where I said that Memphis was going to beat Houston 49-28. wasn't the exact score, but it was in the ballpark. Are, um, are you trying to toot your own horn again, Munz? Yes. Un, un, unabashedly. <laughs> Jason, what, is, what would Larry Fedora predict <laughs> for the score of this game? What Larry Fedora and Jeff Bauer and Todd Munkin would all predict a 31-30 Memphis win. I'm just going to... I'm just going to... Interesting. I'm going to go there. I'm, I'm going to say... It's a flip of the... Exactly. Flip of the exactly. Why not? It, you mentioned it before. It's silly season. 31-30 Memphis. I'm going... So what say you? 35-31 Memphis... With a stop on the final, UCF drives into Memphis territory on its last drive, and Memphis gets a big stop to end the game. Okay, how? Like a, a turnover, or are we talking like a JoJo Dorseus? I'm gonna go. I'll go. I'm gonna go. He hasn't done it yet this year, and he did it last. Austin Hall with a big. I don't know if it's an interception or a breakup, but a big play. Okay, that's what I'm gonna. That's that's gonna be my him or TJ Carter. Okay. All right. Game. I like But that. I think they're going to win it on the last straight. It's going to be a game that comes down to the wire just like the last two. And they're going to win it on defense. They're going to win it on defense. With defense on the field. Yes. That's what I think. How crazy would that be that we rely on this Memphis defense to make the biggest play according to your scenario? I like it. I yeah. don't disagree. Yeah, that's I, I can see it playing out that way. Yeah. That's 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 what I think. And it'll be interesting to see which bowl game Memphis goes to yeah. win or lose because even if they win this they're not going to go to a New Year's Six Bowl because it lo- when we're recording this the new college football playoff rankings haven't come out yet but judging by the AP poll both Boise State and Fresno State who will play on Saturday night for the Mountain West Championship are both ranked higher than Memphis like Fresno State I think is 25 or something like that um, so the winner of that game if UCF loses they'll go to the to the near six bowl for Memphis. I think there's several scenarios in play from the people I've talked to. It's kind of going to, it's going to be up in the air till, 
till Saturday night um, and Sunday morning. But I think Birmingham and Independence Bowls are probably the most likely destinations for this team. And then I could see maybe Military or the Frisco Bowl, one of those, maybe two. Um, I'll be interested to see who they play against. Um, a lot of these projections have, you know, them maybe playing Virginia Tech and Justin Fuente. Virginia Tech plays Marshall this week. Um, and if they win, they'll be bowl eligible. And I'm, I think they'll go to the Military Bowl if they get bowl eligible. But um, I also know there's, you know, the, I don't think the Memphis Athletic Department is necessarily keen on facing Justin Fuente. Right. Um, so I'll be curious to see, cause they see these bowl things are so weird. Unlike other leagues where there's like a pecking order of the bowls and they pick, they see in its bowl arrangements, they work with the bowls to kind of create the best, um, best, you know, just to be able to sell tickets and things like that and matchups. They work with the bowls. There's no like set pecking order of the bowls. Yeah. Right. Um, which is why I think independence and Birmingham are the most likely. And I think if I was a Memphis fan. I think independence is what I would want because then you're going to get to go against an ACC team. I would think like Duke or Wake Forest or someone like that. I know it's not that attractive, but I think Birmingham, the SEC is not going to have enough teams to fill Birmingham. And so I, I have this feeling Birmingham is going to end up with UAB. And I don't think Memphis fans would be real jacked up for a Memphis UAB game in Birmingham. Um, so it'll be fascinating. We'll have... Plenty on commercialappeal.com. I think, Evan, you're going to have a story up. You talked to some bowl reps here in the past few days, and it sounded pretty interesting. I did, and I also spoke with AC Commissioner Mike Oresco. So stay tuned for that because there will be some interesting thoughts about where Memphis could end up, what it could shake out, and uh, you'll want to stay tuned. Yeah, well, me and Evan will be flying down to Orlando for the game. Um, We will have tons for you from there during the lead-up to the game at commercialappeal.com. It should be really fun. Um, and we'll come back next week and we'll know where the, where the Tigers are going bowling. We'll probably have a, maybe even a clear picture of, you know, what Mike Norvell's exact future is. Um, it's exciting times in Tiger football land. Um, so till next week, I was Mark. I was joined by Evan and Jason. Thanks so much. And, uh, let's hope Spectrum Stadium doesn't shake too much this time. A new episode of the Tiger Football Podcast posts each Tuesday during the regular season. You can also subscribe to the show for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.